are listening to the Sports Daily. I'm your host, Reality Steve. Thank you all for tuning in on this Tuesday. We're going to go over that national championship game last night. Michigan, 15-0, completes the undefeated season. They beat Washington last night, 34-13. And they are your national champions. We'll talk about the game. <sighs> I, I can't say I didn't warn you this was a possibility. And we'll get into some specifics of why it turned out the way it did. We're also going to talk about Michigan's schedule next year. Obviously, they're going to have a lot of turnover, but have you seen who they have to play next year? Obviously, with four teams from the Pac-12 coming into the Big Ten, who do they draw? Look at their schedule next year, not to mention their their non-conference schedule. They actually scheduled somebody decent. So we'll get into all that. We're going to talk a lot of NFL today. We're going to talk about the game on Saturday night on Peacock, the Baltimore Ravens. They have a bye week. We're going to talk about their potential opponent, how good Jordan Love has been over the last eight weeks of the season. Montez Sweat does something I've never even heard before. How do first-time starters in the playoffs fare in the NFL? We'll go over that. I'm going to whine a little bit more about the New Orleans Saints and how they couldn't get me one more win this year. And we all know the Carolina Panthers were terrible this year. I'm going to give you a stat that makes them the worst team in the history of the NFL. We'll get to all that momentarily. So let's start with last night's national championship game, Michigan 34-13 over the Washington Huskies. What a weird game. When it was 14-3 in the first quarter and Michigan was breaking off all these long runs, you were like, holy shit, Washington completely overmatched. This is going to be 45-7. It's going to be a repeat of Georgia TCU. And then all of a sudden, Washington just said, fuck it. We're going to make J.J. McCarthy beat us. And for two and a half quarters after that, Michigan did nothing offensively. Absolutely nothing. I mean, how many times were you watching the game last night and you're like, great, handoff on first down, three yards, handoff on second down, two or three yards, handoff on third down, punt. I'm like, can we get more creative? It's why I can't stand Big Ten football. It'll improve a little bit because you got four West Coast schools heading there next year in Oregon, Washington, UCLA, and USC. But good God, Michigan football is boring to watch. Congratulations, you won your national championship. You're finally relevant for the first time since 1997 and the national scene. But good God, I can't watch you guys play. So boring. And don't say it's sour grapes or anything like that. It isn't. I have no ties to Michigan. I have no ties to Ohio State, so I want Michigan to lose. It's nothing like that. I just watch, I want to watch entertaining football. And I, at least, when I watch Washington play, and I probably wanted them to win more with my heart than my head just because I like watching them play. I like the innovation on offense. Washington had so many opportunities last night. And even down 14-3, what they were able to do. Then it became 17-3. They cut it to 17-10 right before halftime. That was huge, knowing you were going to get the ball to start the second half. Then Washington gets the ball to start the second half, and on the very first play, Michael Penix Jr. gets hit in the pocket. The ball flutters. Michigan intercepts it. Now, once again, Michigan went handoff, 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 punt, I mean a field goal. So Michigan only took a 20-10 to 10 lead, and then Washington had a drive. They stalled 20-13. to 13. But, you know, after going down 14-3, to 3, they outscored them 10-6 to 6 
over the next two quarters. So you're just like, this is a game. This is a seven-point game heading into the fourth quarter. Like, this is anybody's ball game. And for whatever reason, well, <clears throat> I don't want to say for whatever reason, because if you watch the game, you clearly saw the difference between what the Washington offense was able to do against Texas versus what they were able to do against Michigan. Texas got absolutely no pressure on Michael Penix. He had he got sacked one time. How many times was Michael Penix pressured in the pocket yesterday by Michigan? I believe they only had one or two sacks, but how many times was he taken off of where he set his feet and had to run or threw off a back foot? It's why on their successful drives, Washington just said, look, we're not dropping back and hoping guys get open. We just don't have the time. So let's throw a bunch of quick passes and gain 8, 10, 13 yards. And that's what they did. They marched down the field and they scored. That was the touchdown um, right before halftime. But then they did it a little bit in the second half, but for the most part, they could not get those big play that they usually get four or five a game of, of those you know, corner routes to Roma Dunze, Dunze uh, uh, McMillan, J.J. Polk. They couldn't, Jalen Polk, they couldn't get those. They ended up completing, I think, one or two, but a couple times, the few times Michael Penix had somebody open like that, he overthrew them or he did, or he rushed his throw and he couldn't complete it. And he might not have been sacked, but that was the whole point, that Michigan's defensive line, he heard footsteps, Michael Penix Jr., for sure. And look, no quarterback in the NFL and no quarterback in college is nearly as accurate when they're being pressured. That's just the way things go. The whole point of slowing down a passing game is you can't let a quarterback sit back there and just pick apart your secondary, which is what he did against Texas. Texas couldn't fluster Michael Penix. Michigan did. It was clear as day. And the times he had chance, the, the few times that he did have time to throw, what happened? More often than not, he overthrew his receiver or he couldn't complete it because he was almost like, oh, shit, I actually have time. I, I, I'm going to get hit. Any second now, i got to rush this. And he would just miss. He didn't play his best game by far. I mean, look at what he did against Texas, then look at what he did yesterday. I mean, it wasn't even close. It was night and day. And unfortunately, you know, the two touchdowns tacked on at the end. This game was a lot closer than a three-touchdown game because it was a seven-point game going into the fourth quarter. And I believe Washington had the ball. So at any point, I was just surprised. They just could not get it going. I understood the beginning of the game, first quarter, second quarter. You're feeling out Michigan's defense. You're kind of seeing, okay, this is what they're going to do. This is what they're doing. I was just shocked that for four quarters, they could not solve it. So congratulations to Michigan. You're this year's national champions. Good luck next year when your schedule has these four teams on it. So they played the Washington Huskies in the national championship game last night on September 7th, which is week two of the college football season, Michigan plays Texas who finished third in the country at the end of this year, non-conference game on October 5th. They have a rematch against the Washington Huskies on November 2nd in a big 10 matchup. They play the Oregon ducks who finished eighth this year. And on November 30th, they play the Ohio State Buckeyes, who finished seventh this year. So they have four games next year. Now, granted, it's next year, and I'm, I'm taking 
the current rankings of those four teams, but you play number three, Texas, number two, Washington, number eight, Oregon, and number seven, Ohio State next year when you played nobody this year. You won the national championship, played nobody in the preseason, in non-conference. You had two tough games in the Big Ten, and I don't even know if I count Penn State anymore. It's a tough game. The Ohio State game, you won. You came back in the fourth quarter to beat Alabama, and you beat uh, a Washington team. But now you got Texas, Washington, Oregon, Ohio State next year. Very curious to see what Michigan's over-under win total is going to be at the beginning of the year. My guess is going to be 10 because I think Vegas will think they're going to lose two. It might be set at nine and a half. So then you got to determine, are they losing two of those four games or three? That's what you're looking at. The biggest thing right now is, and before they're going to announce any sort of over-under win totals for college football teams next year, is where is Jim Harbaugh going? He might not even be back next year, and chances are he's not. The fact that he hired Don Yee, who is an NFL agent, makes me think that he's going back to the NFL. He just accomplished something he hadn't accomplished in his college career, which is win a national championship. What more does he have to prove at Michigan? Not to mention sanctions are coming down against him. He's going to be suspended at some point next year for the recruiting stuff and the uh, the, the the filming of practices and stuff like that, or filming at games. What's the guy's name? I've already forgotten the guy, the spy, Colin something. He's going to be suspended for that, whether it's one game, two games, three games. Why does he want to deal with that? He just won a national championship. Now he can do something and go to the NFL and prove himself on the greatest stage of them all and try and win a Super Bowl. Remember, he's been to a Super Bowl. He coached four years in the NFL, and three times he went to the NFC Championship game one time he won it and got to a Super Bowl. Like, this guy is a successful coach. I don't really care for his personality. I think he's totally weird. Uh, he's a boring interview, to be honest with you. But the guy can coach. I'll give him credit. Um, and he's can, he's proven he can coach on any level. He likes coaching on the West Coast. He started out at U, U, uh, University of San Diego. Then he went to Stanford. Then he went to the NFL and coached the Niners. So it's not like he would be against going to the West Coast. My prediction is that Harbaugh is the coach of the Chargers next year because I think the Raiders are going to hire Antonio Pierce. Nobody else on the West Coast, I believe, is going to have a job opening outside of the Chargers. Seattle could, but I don't see him going to Seattle. I could absolutely see him in L.A. coaching the Chargers. L.A. would eat up Jim Harbaugh. He would love that place, and they would love him as long as he delivers winners. And I, if there's one guy that maybe can turn Justin Herbert around, maybe it is Jim Harbaugh. But that team and that franchise needs a complete makeover, and Jim Harbaugh is the guy to do it. It's the perfect formula right now. They're on the cusp of getting there and being better. They need a leader to go in there and change the culture. He's the perfect guy to do it. There's nothing left for him to accomplish at Michigan. He did what he set out to do. He brought him to the mountaintop. He won him a national championship. Get out while you can and go try and win an NFL championship, go try and win a Super Bowl and become one of the few coaches in the history of the league to ever win a college football national championship and a Super Bowl. Jimmy Johnson did it. Barry Switzer did it. Those are the first two that come to mind for me. Uh, I don't know if there's others. There probably is, but not many. And I, I know that Harbaugh would love to do that. And we all know he's going back to the NFL at some point. It might as well be this year, you know? So congratulations to Michigan, national champs. I expect Jim Harbaugh to be the coach of the Chargers within the next couple weeks. All right, let's talk NFL. Uh, big week, wild card weekend, best weekend of the year. 
before they went to seven teams in each conference making the playoffs, Wild Card Weekend was two games Saturday, two games Sunday. And the top two seeds in each conference had a bye. Now we've got seven teams in each conference making the playoffs. Only the number one seeds get by. So two plays seven, three plays six, four plays five in each conference. So now you have six games. How do you spread it out? It would make sense to do three and three, but you know the NFL. They are going to bleed everything they can out of as many days of the week as they can. So they're giving you two games Saturday. They give you three games Sunday. And now we've got a Monday night playoff game. What's interesting is what a lot of people are talking about, the Saturday night game, which is Miami at Kansas City, is on Peacock only. Unless you live in Miami and Kansas City, you get the game locally. But anybody outside of those cities has to subscribe to the Peacock streaming service to get it. It is $6. I know a lot of people are bitching. But in this day and age, considering what else we pay for in this world and how Netflix, when we first signed up for it, was like $11.99 a month. And now what? It's like $23 or $24 bucks a month. And yet you just take it because you're not giving up your Netflix. You're not going to be like, oh. Not going to do that. They raised it $2 on me. Look, just think about this. If you're bitching that you have to watch a game on a streaming service on Saturday night for $6, just think of what you are bitching about. You're bitching over the fact that you have to pay 50 cents a month for the next year to cover that expense. Come on, people. $6 to watch a game? Hell, it's better than going to a game. That's going to run you... Close to a thousand for two tickets and parking and food and maybe a souvenir. <laughs> like, come on now. You're paying six dollars to watch an NFL playoff game. I understand you're like, yeah, but it's been free all these years. The only thing I can tell you is you better get used to it. Peacock paid $110 million to get one playoff game. I don't even understand the logistics, but I don't even understand the money decision behind this. Let's say 1 million people, and it's not even going to be close to that, but let's say 1 million people said, got to watch KC Miami Saturday night. I'm signing up for Peacock. Here's my six bucks. That's $6 million they just made in subscribers signing up. They paid $110 million for the game. Aren't they just taking a bath by having this game? I don't understand the, I don't understand the business side of it. I understand that. You know, maybe the whole point is let's get one game and then next year we build it up into two or three because the NFL media rights deals are coming up within the next, I believe, two years. So it's going to be open. It's going to be Amazon's coming hard for it. You know, Apple TV is looking to do live games. Netflix, maybe you already got Amazon Prime that does the Thursday night game. Maybe they want more. Peacock is now in the game. They've gotten two games this year. Remember, they got the uh, December 23rd game, which was someone at the Chargers. I already forgot who played them, but was it Denver at Chargers? I don't remember, but remember they got that game. Oh, it was Buffalo, Buffalo at Chargers. So they had two solo games this year, one in the regular season and one playoff game. I don't really understand it. I know people are upset, but there are way more things to be upset about in this world than paying $6 for a to watch a football game. I understand you've gotten every playoff game in your whole life for free. And this is the first time you've ever had to pay. But when you really, really think about it, not even just the money aspect of it, but it's very cheap. How are you really being inconvenienced over this? Signing up for Peacock? Look, sign up for it, pay the $6, and never look at Peacock again. And at the end of 30 days, cancel. That's it. That's all you got to do. How, how long does it take to sign up for a streaming service? A minute? 
it's not that big of an inconvenience. I just I'm amazed at how many people are arguing over this. Not to mention this was announced in May. I mean, I I understand that maybe people's minds aren't on the NFL in May when it was announced, but it's been known. And then on December 23rd, when Peacock had the Buffalo Chargers game as a Peacock exclusive, they mentioned it again. Hey, we have a playoff game coming to Peacock. But yet it's somehow this week, all of a sudden, everyone was like, what? Peacock has a playoff game? Yeah, they announced it in May. I knew this. I've talked about this, you know, kind of here and there, on and off. I, I don't know. And it's six bucks. Come on. I mean, Look, I don't care. I've I've had Peacock for two years. I wanted to watch the Save by the Bell reboot. I wanted to watch uh, WWE. Like that's how I get my. That's why I pay for Peacock. You know, I pay ad free, so it's another five ninety nine. It's like um, thirteen bucks a month for me, and I get every single WWE premium live event. I'm not bitching. So whatever. Let's just not bitch about stuff that is really not all that important in the grand scheme of things. The Baltimore Ravens are the number one seed in the AFC. And they have a bye. And if you're the number one seed in the divisional round, you play the lowest remaining seed. Well, that basically means that the number one seed can't play the two seed and can't play the three seed, but they can play four, five, six, or seven. They can play any one of those teams. The Ravens this year... Their divisional opponent is going to be the fourth-seeded Texans, the fifth-seeded Browns, the sixth-seeded Dolphins, the seventh-seeded Steelers. They've played all of them this year, and they've played all of them at home this year. They beat the Texans in the first game of the season. I probably don't remember. You probably don't remember that, but they did. They lost to the Browns in Week Ten. You know why I remember that game? Because that was the game that knocked me out of the Circus Survivor contest. My last entry. I had Baltimore, and three different times during that game, they blew a two-touchdown lead. So I will always remember that one. Not to mention, we find out after the game that Deshaun Watson, who was the quarterback of the Browns at that time, played the whole second half with a broken shoulder. And Baltimore blew two second-half, two-touchdown leads. That's why I'm out of the Circus Survivor. Hey, I'm not saying I would have won every rest of the week, and I would have been the fifth person that split $9.267 million this past weekend. But at least I might have had a chance if Baltimore doesn't blow that game because I had the rest of the season mapped out. I had weeks 11 through 18 knowing who I had available, knowing who I was going to pick. I would have had Dallas on Thanksgiving Day. That was a winner. I would have had Philly on Christmas Day. That was a winner. So I would have just had to pick weeks 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, and 18. You know, I would have had to go 8-0. It's possible. I was 10-0 and through the first 10 weeks or 9-0 and through the first nine weeks, lost in week 10. Um, they this, the, the Dolphins are the sixth seed. They could possibly play them. A team they just beat by 30 two weeks ago. And the seventh seed is the Steelers. They could possibly play them. If the Steelers upset Buffalo, Steelers play the Ravens in Baltimore. Steelers just beat the Ravens in week 18, but the Ravens didn't play anybody. So I would throw that game and the results out the window. But it's just kind of crazy to think that all four of Baltimore's potential opponents, they've already played at home this year. One of the other games in the NFC that a lot of people obviously are looking at, two storied franchises, Cowboys and the Packers. Do you realize that Jordan Love in his last 8 games has thrown 18 touchdowns and one interception? I didn't know that until yesterday. That doesn't necessarily mean he's going to go into Dallas and completely run rough shot and pull the upset. I mean, maybe they will. The odds are against them considering 
the way Dallas has played and the fact that they've won 16 straight home games and they average a little under 40 points a game at home this year, beating everybody. And only in the last two games did they not cover. You know, their last game, the last two games against Seattle and against Detroit, they did not cover. But for the first six games of the year at home, blew everybody out, averaged 40 points a game. So keep that in mind. But Jordan Love, 18 touchdowns and one interception over the last um, eight games. That's pretty damn good. And I say Jordan Love because it brings us to this stat, which doesn't bode well for Green Bay. But I don't think this means that all four are going to lose. There are four instances this weekend where a quarterback is making his first playoff start versus quarterbacks who have playoff experience. And those are in our first four games. Starting on the first game on Saturday, it is C.J. Stroud making his first playoff start against Joe Flacco, who's won a Super Bowl, obviously. Uh, The second game, Miami at KC, that's Tua making his first playoff start. Remember, he was hurt last year, didn't play. Skylar Thompson was the quarterback for the Miami Dolphins when they played the Bills in the first round last year. Tua against Mahomes. Obviously, we know Mahomes' history in the playoffs. The first game on Sunday is Pittsburgh at Buffalo. Mason Rudolph making his first playoff start going up against Josh Allen. And then the second game on Sunday, Jordan Love going up against Dak. It doesn't bode well for them straight up or against the spread. First-time quarterback playoff starters versus a playoff experienced quarterback. The first-timers are 17-35-1 against the spread. That's 32%. 17 and 36 straight up. So it's something to keep an eye on. You know, maybe all four of them lose because all four of them, well, I wouldn't even, you know, CJ Stroud is a dog at home against Cleveland. Two is a dog on the road against Mahomes. Mason Rudolph, a big dog on the road against uh, uh, Josh Allen. And Jordan Love, a touchdown underdog against Dak. You know, maybe some cover. It's very possible that all four underdogs don't win this week. Uh, I then, if that were the case, I would lean toward an underdog winning outright on maybe Sunday night or Monday. But just keep that in mind. It is an interesting statistic. It just goes to show it's it's not easy the first time you're there, you know. But it has happened. It's not like it's zero and fifty three. It's seventeen and thirty six. You know. So keep that in mind as we head into this Saturday's games. Montez Sweat, remember him? Washington Commanders defensive end. He was really good for them this year, and then he got traded to the Bears about, I don't know, week eight or nine, around there. Montez Sweat became the first NFL player in the history of the league to lead two different teams in sacks during the same season. He had six and a half sacks for the Commanders before they traded him to the Bears, and then he led the Bears when he had six sacks for them the rest of the year. The chances of that happening again are probably slim and none, so congratulations to Montez Sweat. And I wanted to end with this statistic, which is absolutely crazy. Well, actually, let me say this. Talked to you yesterday about the over-under win total, New Orleans Saints. Remember I said yesterday, I was like, it seems like New Orleans Saints, every time they won, they blew somebody out, and then they had so many bad losses. So I had them over nine and a half wins. They finished nine and eight. Six of those nine wins were by double digits. So I was right. I, I knew that they didn't have a lot of close games when they won. Six of their nine wins by double digits, and six of their nine losses were by one score. All I needed was one of those to go my way. Nope. Sorry, Steve. We couldn't do that for you. Ugh, that that uh, that was a tough one. Anyway, um, I want to end with this. Carolina Panthers finished 2-15, and 15, and they're not even going to get any better next year because, unfortunately, to trade up and get Bryce Young last year, they gave the Bears their first-round pick 
And now the Bears have the number one pick in the draft, so they have to decide, are we going to dump Justin Fields and go with one of the stud quarterbacks in the draft, or are we sticking with Justin Fields, trade down, get some picks, get multiple players? We don't know what they're going to do. they got plenty of time. There's four months till the draft. But Carolina was bad this year, 2-15 and 15 bad. We knew that. Did you realize that they did something that no NFL team in the history of the league had ever done before? The Carolina Panthers never led in the fourth quarter of any game this year. Let me repeat that. 17-game season, they finished 2-15, and 15, but they never even had a lead in the fourth quarter of any game this year. Steve, how is that possible? They won two games. Yeah, the two games they won, they kicked a field goal as time expired, which means they never led in the fourth quarter when the clock was at 15 minutes all the way to 0-0-1. They only led when the clock read zeros across the board and the game was over. How bad of a team do you have to be to not even accidentally have a lead in the fourth quarter of any game you play? That shows, to me, worst fucking team in the league ever. Because I remember that Detroit Lions team, and that was the most recent one, I believe, to go 0-16. I remember they were competitive. They were there in a lot of games and just defensively couldn't stop people. You never had a lead in the fourth quarter, Panthers, in 17 games? Embarrassing. Probably why they probably need to get it. They're definitely going to get a new coach. I think they fired their GM yesterday. Already questions about is Bryce Young the answer? Man, they need a complete franchise makeover there. Thank you all for listening. I really appreciate it. Please follow me on Apple Podcasts. Also, rate and review. The Daily Roundup is up. I posted that about an hour ago, so check that out. Pass it along to your friends. Got a lot more NFL talk uh, the rest of the week, talking about the playoff games and wildcard weekend coming up this Saturday, Sunday, and even Monday. So, again, thank you all for listening. I appreciate it. And remember, sports will always be the greatest reality show on television. See you.